Amen and amen. Well, we threw it out at you just to punch you in the mouth with it. Remnant is what we're jumping into this next year. We will be a remnant of people, and uh, we got some things that we're going to be talking about. So I'm going to jump up. I'm going to jump hard into the paint and uh, jump straight into this. Um, you know, uh, it's just been, it's an exciting time for the church. A lot is going on in the church right now. Some we can share. Others, things we cannot share. The beauty of is, uh, you know, you look at the prophetic word of last year, and really, I think I'm coming to a better understanding now that vision for the longest time, you know, in the church world was like print a banner, post it on the wall, and it really has no relevance for anything outside of that Sunday. You talk about it on a Sunday, and then it's like, it's gone. But, you know, I'm starting to come to this understanding that in, in, in a church that is moving, growing, accomplishing the mission of Jesus Christ, not building their kingdom, but building the kingdom, that every year that, uh, uh, that God gives a vision, it is a prophetic word for the church to hone in on in order to press through for the next year, right, over the, over the year. And uh, last year, All In could not be more prophetic uh, for the, uh, the year in which we face. I, ha uh, I have a little bit of PSD going back through the whole experience as we relived it. Hopefully you are good and uh, we'll be good by the end of this, you know. But, um, you know, just hearing that word all in and just what we talked about last year and that it's not all in in the sense of like that, the old school mentality and like empty your bank accounts and give to the Lord, but all in in the sense that God has all of you and you are invested in building his kingdom, the local church, building the uh, people around you, all in for the cause of Christ, right? And so uh, this year, the remnant conversation, the remnant idea is something that God has placed on my heart and I believe it is prophetic for this next year in which we are stepping into. How many of you guys have ever been in that position in your life, wherever you found yourself, uh, in a place where you were pressured into doing something that you did not want to do. We've been there before, right? And under the, the pressure around you, there was a compromise to your convictions. You have a conviction on what you believe is right and wrong, and uh, somebody around you gave you the impression that if you did not go with the flow, then you would find yourself in a position where you would be an outsider, you would be looked down upon, or maybe you would be ostracized, right? And maybe through that, you jumped into something. You know, you can look throughout your adolescence or really even uh, into your young adult years where you're trying to figure out who exactly you are and what you believe. Multiple times throughout my life, I found myself in a place where I was compromised in conviction and it cost me, uh, uh, cost me some integrity, cost me some character, cost me some time, all of it. But it came down to a place where I felt pressured into doing something. I have a very vivid memory of an individual pressuring me into doing something uh, when, I, uh, when I was a young man and I did it and I, and I was throwing up for a long period of time. We don't need to go into what it was, you know, my lungs may have been compromised, but whatever, I found myself in a tough spot, right? And every time I go, you know, as a young person, and really, uh, as, I'll say it as a young person, you have to learn that, that it's not worth it. It's not worth it, the compromise, right? It costs you so much on the back end. It costs you so much on the... Uh, and pain, you know, as you throw up or whatever you're doing, or you lose that character or whatever, you're pressured into doing something. You lose your purity. That's a big one as you're growing up. But the more you grow and mature, the more you realize that you would much rather stand against pressure to get you to do something against your convictions than face the consequences of compromise. And this is the reality of what we are living in here today as a people. 
as believers in a post-Christian nation. Let me just say it again. America is a post-Christian nation. A guy asked me on our team, he said, you think we're in a post-Christian nation? I said, yes, not in profession, but in practice. A large amount of people profess to believe in Jesus Christ, but a majority of our country does not live for Jesus Christ. They do not practice um, being believers of Jesus Christ, apprentices of Jesus Christ. And so what do we have? We have a compromised culture. And here we are today, the pressure around us. We, you know, well, isn't it funny that in our world here today, you can talk about any religion upon the face of the earth, Hinduism, Islam, Buddhism. You can talk about all the mystic religions of the East. You can celebrate them. You can talk about them. You can, you can say whatever you want. You can praise them. But the moment you make, you bring up Jesus Christ, all of a sudden you're, you're condemned. You're considered a bigot. You're considered a, a, a person that believes in a faith that is divisive. How is that? How does that happen in a nation that was founded upon the principles of Jesus Christ, that here today when we speak the name of Jesus Christ, now all of a sudden it's offensive, right? It's, the, it's the, the state of the country in which we live in here today. And so the reality of what we live in here today is, are we as a people going to compromise in our beliefs? Are we gonna compromise to the pressure of the world around us or are we going to stay true and be a remnant of people to say, we will remain uncompromised? We will remain uncompromised in what we believe. The cause of the, the, who Jesus is, we will remain uncompromised in who Jesus is and the cause of Christ. It's better said, we will, remain, we will stay true to Christ and the cause of Christ. What do we mean by that? Jesus is the good shepherd. John 10, he is the good shepherd. Jesus says this in John 10. Let's look at it together. Jesus says this in John 10. John 10, I'm gonna read verse one through five. I'll jump down and read nine through 10, and then I'll jump down and read 19 through 21. Go back and read it this week. It's paramount for us to understand inside of our culture that uh, this is the message of Jesus Christ. You have to understand what Jesus says. Jesus says, I am the way I am the truth. I am the life. I did not say that as Pastor Brent of Pearl Street Church. No pastor upon the face of the earth has made that statement. Jesus said that. We repeat it. What is Jesus saying? What Jesus is saying is there is no other way to eternal life. Every other idea is inferior to this idea. They're all man-made ideas. But this idea right here is God-designed, God-breathed, and I am the son that has brought this truth right here on this earth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the good shepherd. Okay, so let's, talk, let's look at this inside of here. And I know this is going to get up in the grill, but an uncompromised people have to have boldness on the inside of them. To say, we will remain uncompromised no matter what the pressure. It may cost me a job. It may be cost me my reputation, but I'm going to remain true to my convictions. The greatest enemy of conviction is compromise. 
And the world wants you to compromise. But here's the deal. There's, name, there's power in the name of Jesus Christ. That's why our country does not want us to say the name of Jesus Christ. You know, the enemy doesn't care if you say Hinduism, Islam, you know, Buddhism. Do all these mystic Eastern religions. Practice however you want. There is no power in those religions. But the moment you say Jesus, that's where culture's like, I don't know about that. Because the enemy knows there's power in the name of Jesus Christ. Every knee shall vow, every tongue shall confess in Jesus' name. We will remain a remnant here on this earth. And I tell you, I think I'm, I'm, I'm built for this. As a pastor, I'm built for this moment in time. God knew that I would be a name on a radar in San Antonio that would be, be willing to stand up in a culture to say, come at us. We're going to lead a people that may be crazy after Jesus Christ, but if crazy people need to pray Jesus Christ's power into the mix, then you're going to see how crazy we are and how good our God is. He's all powerful in Jesus' name. So in John 1, he says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who speaks over the, uh, the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Come on, somebody. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come in. The key thing inside of here, the sheep recognize his voice. The sheep recognize the voice of the shepherd that opens the gate for the sheepfold. If there is no recognition of the voice because there is no relationship with the individual, sheep will not follow the right shepherd. This is key to understand. My children know my voice because I have a relationship with them. My wife knows my voice because I have a relationship with them. The staff of this church know my voice because I have a relationship with them. It's a key thing to understand, recognizing the voice. The gatekeeper opens the gate and the sheep recognize his voice and come in. He calls his sheep, uh, his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his, his own flock, he walks ahead of them and what? They follow him because they know his voice. This is Jesus giving a parable inside of here that he is the good shepherd and the followers of Jesus, he opens the door, they come in because they recognize his voice. He goes before them and they follow him because they recognize his voice. It's key to understand the recognition of the voice. It says they won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice voice. We talk about around here in Pearl Street Church. It does not matter what you know. It's not about what you know about God's word. It's what you understand about God's word that leads you to the presence of God that you can hear the voice of the father. I am only a shepherd. Jesus is your savior. If you don't know his voice, it's useless on showing up on church, you know, showing up to church. It's useless. If you don't know the voice of the Father, we're just here to encourage you in your faith in Jesus Christ, in your relationship with Jesus Christ. We're here to compel you and press, you know, move you forward that you know his voice and are led by his voice. Number nine, verse number nine says this, skipping down. It says, yes, I am the gate. He goes on to explain it because his disciples are like, what you talking about? He says, yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. Jesus is making these statements. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose, purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give life or give them a rich and satisfying life. Jesus is clear. 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the one. Those that come to me will be saved. My purpose is to give rich and satisfying life. That's my purpose. Okay? Every other individual is a good idea. Not every, uh, only Jesus is God's idea. And God's idea, Jesus came to give life, a rich and satisfying life. So verse number 19, you skip down. It says, when he said these things, the people were again divided in their opposition about him. Some said, he's demon possessed and out of his mind. Come on, somebody. What is the culture we live in here today? Oh, man, you lost your dang mind. Maybe I'm in my mind and you lost yours. <laughs> Why listen to a man like that? But it says this. Others said, this doesn't sound like a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Get your own revelation about who Jesus is so that you don't have to live on somebody else's idea of who he is. If somebody can talk you into it, somebody can talk you out of it. But if you had an experience with it, nobody can talk you out of it. You've seen and tasted that the Lord is good. Amen? A remnant of people remain faithful to the cause of Christ. Remain faithful to what he has come to do to bring life to all people. Right? We live in a culture that wants to water this thing down to say, peace and love, those coexist, you know, bumper stickers on the back of cars. It's just to water it all down to say they're all equal. They're not all equal. There is Jesus Christ. Christianity is superior. Jesus came from truth to bring the truth. Every other person had to find truth. Every person, Muhammad had to find truth. Muhammad had his own issues with sin. They called them faults inside of uh, the book. Jesus was without sin. And he faced sin and he became sin for our own righteousness. He faced the cross to deal with our sin. He was in, he, he's superior to every other individual that's ever existed on this earth. Remnants of people remain faithful. Now, one of the key things, you can look inside of the Old Testament where the Jewish people, God called Abraham out of his father and mother's house and they found themselves in a place years down the road after they entered the land of Canaan. They were there. Uh, the famine hit the land. Jacob and his sons were there. Uh, the sons of Jacob would throw their younger brother out, Joseph, you know, the one that had this beautiful coat. And Joseph would go down to Egypt. I'm just getting to the story here. Joseph would go down to Egypt and obviously a man of God, God would use him. He would provide him. He would remain uncompromised no matter where he was at. Because he was uncompromised, he ran out of Potiphar's house, although Potiphar's wife was trying to shack up with him. He's like, no, 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 I'm I'm going to remain uncompromised. I'm not going to compromise in this situation because my conviction is towards God and remaining pure. He would be thrown in prison, but eventually wind up as second in command over all of Egypt. In that process of what, um, who Joseph was, he provided a space and a place years later whenever there's a famine in the land and his entire family would come down. His family would come down and they would find favor inside of Egypt because of the uncompromised character in the inside of Joseph. He provided a way for people. And here's the thing about living a life uncompromised, true to conviction. Here we are as a people today in a culture that is compromised. It's a compromised culture. It is a, uh, a culture that does not fear God anymore. 
It is about building our kingdoms and our things and our world upon our ideas. We are our own gods in this country. And so what you find is there is a remnant of people that preserve the truth upon the earth. And in the preservation, it's not about desiring what other, people's are, other people are acquiring by, re, by being compromised. It's being, being true to conviction to say, I don't care if they are advancing and it looks like we are not. We are preserving something that a revelation is coming years down the road. It could be beyond our lifetime what we do today in remaining uncompromised. Joseph stayed uh, true to his convictions and provided an opportunity where years later, when his family would come marching down in need, they had provision because one remained uncompromised. And with that, the Jewish people or the, the Hebrew people would find themselves in Israel or in Egypt for 400 years because of one man's ability to remain uncompromised. The crazy thing is, is 400 years of these people, uh, uh, Hebrew people, God's chosen people down in Egypt, they preserved their culture because they remained uncompromised in the Egyptian culture. They were a people true to conviction, although they were in a land that was not their own. Now, what we know about the world in which we live in, this is not our permanent destination. This is a temporary residence. We're here temporarily our, our home is in heaven. And what you find is 400 years down in Egypt, Hebrew, the Jewish people marched out of Egypt uncompromised. How do they keep their culture? How do they keep their beliefs? How do they keep uh, uh, their, their convictions? They remained uncompromised. They were in a culture for 400 years, but they remained uncompromised. It's true to conviction. The greatest enemy of uh, uh, conviction is compromise. So you get to the end of their life, you get to the end of this journey, and uh, you look in Exodus. I'll read in the first part of here because this is an indication. You got to look back and learn from history. This is why it's important that we don't we don't tear down history. We don't te- we don't remove the history of this country as a black eye. We look at it and we learn from it. Because history tells us where's the mistakes of the past that gives us the wisdom necessary today to lead our lives better as we move forward. We don't need to remove history, right? God has removed us from the, 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 the consequences of our sin, but we have the memory of the chaos that came with it that keeps us true today to say, we don't want that chaos. We want to stay true to Jesus Christ and keep moving forward. Amen. That's why it's, it's key. So what you find inside of here in Exodus verse, uh, chapter 16, verse number one, it says, then the whole community of Israel set out from Elam uh, to, uh, and journeyed into the wilderness of sin between Elam and the Mount Sinai. They arrived there on the fifth day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. There too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. Verse number three says, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There was, uh, there we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now we have brought us, uh, now, uh, you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us to death. Then Moses, the Lord said to, then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they, they need for they, uh, for that day. 
I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they will gather food, and when they prepare it, there will be twice as much as usual. So they march out of Egypt. God's provision is on, on their behalf. They were oppressed inside of Egypt because of their beliefs. They were growing too uh, big in, in measure and size. Uh, the Pharaoh that did not remember the blessing of Joseph was like, we need to, we need to snatch these people out or they're going to come against us. And ultimately God would rescue them out of Egypt in the, in the pain of Egypt. But the funny thing is, is that the very people that saw God's hand move in a month earlier are now complaining about the lack of God's hand moving in their present circumstances. And here's the deal about life. God is always going to give us exactly what we need. It may, just, it, may not just, it may not look like what it did last season. This season looks different than last season. The surrounding may look, look different than the last season. Here we are today. The, the worst thing we can do is say, man, I wish we could go back to the days of old. I wish we can go back to the way church was back in the day. I wish we can go back to the way that our country was 30, 40 years ago. That would be great. But that is not where we are at today. We're desiring something that cannot be a reality. What we do want to do is we desire God for today. Because if he was good then, he'll be good now. And if he was sufficient then, he'll be sufficient now. We're trying to step into a, a place in this culture today to say, we want to see God's hand move. If the culture is so black and so dark and so, uh, so evil, then I just believe that goodness, the goodness of God will shine even brighter. I believe the goodness of God will be even greater. I just want to see the miracles that are going to come in this season. Anytime you see in culture where a, a people move against God to the point where a majority of people do not believe or walking in sin, you see God's hand show up in a profound way. You see his hand of the miraculous show up that completely blows the mind of individuals because they reason God out of the equation and he stands on his throne to say, if you reason me out, I'm going to show up with my power to get me back in in Jesus name. And so you know, they desired to go back to a place of comfort because they were unwilling to trust God as they move forward. And I'll just tell you today, if we are going to be a people that remain faithful to Christ and the cause of Christ, it will not be by desiring the days of yesterday, but it will be desiring the God of tomorrow. What, does he, what is he going to do in our culture today? What is he going to do in this church today? What is he going to do in my life today? The world may be falling apart. There may be oppression all around me, but my God is, you know, the power that lives in me is greater than the oppression. What is God going to do through my circumstances as we move forward? And so what you find in, in, in Matthew, Jesus would tell us that we are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Light of the world and salt of the earth. You are, I am, light of the world and salt of the earth. Now you look at salt, it is a preservation mechanism. It is what is used to preserve. What you find is you find salt is put all over the meat to preserve the meat. Now we don't necessarily do this anymore because we got refrigerators and, and proper cooling system. But it was definitely used in Jesus' time as a preservation mechanism. Salt, now what does Jesus say? What good is salt if it loses its saltiness? What good is it? Won't it be thrown out and trampled underfoot? Basically, it's useless. It's useless. What happens in this culture? And I know I may only be speaking to a remnant of people in our church here today because we are going to face some opposition. But if we are in a place of compromise, oh man, we'll walk away from the faith in a heartbeat. Oh, don't say the name of Jesus in this workplace. Cool, all good enough. If you do then we're, we're going to fire you 
All good. I, I'm, I'm good. I, I don't need to say Jesus around here. I'm good. I'm good. It'll just be a personal thing. It was never meant to be a personal thing. Your faith in Jesus Christ was never meant to be personal. Jesus says, go into the world and make disciples. He didn't say, go into your home and shut your mouth about, my, about who I am. He says, go and make disciples, teaching them everything I've taught you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what I want you to do. Go and make disciples. Go and change the world. Go and open up your mouth. Go. And if the world we live in here today has got you to believe, has manipulated you, has brought enough fear into your life for you to believe that this is a personal thing that you should not share with anybody, you're missing the mark. You're out of alignment with the purpose of Jesus Christ. And it's time to get some boldness back on the inside of you. It's time to get some saltiness about your faith so that God can use us for the future of what he wants to do. So today we got these salt vials for you. Awesome. Everybody likes salt vial. Need some more salt? Here's some salt. Get some salt. What does this hit? Basically, this is a reminder of this right here. We, as the body of Christ, as followers of Jesus Christ, are the preservation mechanism that God is using upon this earth as the world operates in compromise towards the things of God. God has always had a remnant of people that has remained faithful. That has said, we, will, we are unwilling to back down to the truth of God's word. We are unwilling to back down in our culture. No matter how crazy it gets, no, how, no matter how oppressive it gets, we're going to stay salty. We're never going to be thrown out because we've lost our saltiness. We're going to keep on preserving the faith of Jesus Christ. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the light. We will never stop speaking that. We will never stop shouting that. We will never stop believing that. We will always share that no matter where we are, what culture we are in, what group of people we are around, what business we are, we are in, what friends are around us, we will never compromise that Jesus is the Savior and he is the Messiah. Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? He asked him, who do you say I am? Not who do I say I am because it's clear who I am. Who do you say that I am? Because if you can't say that he is Savior Messiah, then maybe you don't have the conviction in order to live for him. In order to have the boldness to stand up in your workplace, to stand up in a culture that is ever growing more and more ungodly. Who do you say that he is? The question is, who do you say he is? Would you come back like Peter and say, you are the Savior and the Messiah? Would you say that? Would I say that? If your workplace says, well, who do you say Jesus is? Would you say he is the Savior and Messiah? And they're like, okay. If your friends or if you're uh, uh, whatever on social media, would you be willing to stand up on social media and say, amidst everything in our world today, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior and the Messiah of the world. There is no way to eternal life except through him. Are you willing to say that on social media? Are you willing to film a video and say, all my friends just going to let you know some right now. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior and the Messiah of the world. There is no other religion. There is no other faith that you can get to eternal life except through him. Not because I said it, because he said it. Are you willing to do that? If you are not, it's time to get a revelation on the inside of you that he is who he says he is and he will do what his word says he can do. It's, it's time for it. 
I get it. I may be speaking to a remnant inside of our church, but I'd rather roll with a hundred people that are saying we're ready to go, ride or die. Doesn't matter what comes to, to the to this world, we're gonna make it happen. Then individuals like, I don't know about that. You know, I just don't understand. It just, I mean, that seems like too divisive. You know, <laughs> Jesus said it. Do you not think that he did not know what he was saying? He's the son of God. He was saying what he meant to say, knowing that people would come along in life and say, there's many ways to God. There is not many ways. There's one way. It's through him. It's through him. Amen. Amen. I want a church with conviction, not compromise. I want to lead people that got godly convictions to his word, that truly believe that all scripture is inspired by God for the purpose of dividing truth and, and uh, lies, dividing bone and marrow as it would speak. It is good to correct in every aspect. So that's all I got to say on that. Just a little bit. I'm coming in hot today, but we got to get towards a couple different things that we're going to do this year. Um, and then we'll close in, in, in with a good place and a good space on where we need to be. Oh, we're going to jump more into Remnant next week, okay? I'm going to spend more time on it, but I just want to come in heavy on like, let's, let's go, okay? I'm a wartime pastor. Oh, I'm a wartime pastor. There's some good peacetime pastors, but I'm a wartime pastor. Like, let's go. Ready the troops, like Gideon. I'm like, if you, if you just, you know, you know if you're just dipping your head down in the water and drinking it and you're not laughing it, psh, get out. Go back home. Go. I need people that are lapping the water up. The few, the proud, the 300 that are ready to go in Jesus' name. Like, let's go. We got some stuff that I want to share with you guys, but I get ahead of myself sometimes. And if, if this is going to be a reality for our future, this conversation today needs to happen because we're not taking the next step into the future of this church that has 10 times the amount of space as this. Mm, 10 times. It may be 15 times the amount of space than this. I don't want that to work out. I don't want that to be a reality because we aren't built for it. We, we ain't ready for it is really what it is. So we have to have this conversation before that may be a reality. All good. Here's the deal. Mission, what is our mission? To? I'm talking to some, I'm talking to some ballers up in here, some Pearl Street church owners in the house. Yes, Lord. Good. If you can't repeat that, probably want to go learn it. If you're going to be an owner in this house to roll where we're going, you probably need to know it. We're here to lead unchurched people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We're here to recommission inside of here religious people into a knowing of what the mission of Jesus Christ is so that they can lead unchurched people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Because usually religious people have no care over unchurched people because they don't look like them. They don't smell like them. They don't talk like them. So they've reasoned unchurched people out of their life, and they just like hanging out with church people. I don't want to be unequally yoked. <laughs> Jesus was criticized for hanging out with them. They called him a drunk, a wild partier, because he hung out with unchurched people. I'm not saying go to the club. What I am saying is get to know your unchurched friends that are around you and invite them to church with you help them. Yeah. Our mission is to lead unchurched people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Every year, we have a couple different initiatives, vision items 
that we focus on in order to move this ball down the field. A couple of things that we do. You know, one of the things that we're doing this year, and I'll, I'll be pretty short with this. I'm a minute over right now. I'm a minute over. It's 10.01. Okay, so I'll go through these pretty quickly. Um, the first thing, we've been talking about Tanzania. Years ago, God put Tanzania on my heart. Tanzania is a work that we're going to be doing uh, internationally uh, at some point in time. Uh, we're just doing kind of the initial steps inside of it. We raised money uh, through the Christmas initiative to get our feet on the ground. Here's the reality. We can't put our feet on the ground because of COVID has shut down all travel to Tanzania. It's essentially what's going down. So we can't get our feet on the ground. So with that, we're like, okay, we're working with World Vision. What's going on with World Vision? Where do you have sites that you've already, you're already working with? They're in the early stages that we can come in and help in the, the fundamental start of education, clean water, all of that, right? And so they have like, um, they have like 20 different sites throughout the, the country of Tanzania, um, but they only have two of them that are on the initial starting phases. Everything else is in phase number three or four. They've already been working there for 16 to 25 years. So uh, this is what we've went with. Uh, where's the map? We got the map here. All right, here's the map of Tanzania. Tanzania is in Africa. It's over on the east side of Africa. If you don't know where it is, I'm, I'm taking you back to sixth grade and world geography. I get it. But here we are in Tanzania. Mount Kilimanjaro is up here. The Serengeti's right here. Like the, the mass migration you see on Lion King is right there. <laughs> Pretty crazy, right? Um, so here is, um, here's the map of Tanzania. Uh, since Mount Kilimanjaro is right there, the main, uh, the capital of Tanzania is right here. And uh, all of this pretty much going that direction is uh, the, the ADP sites, the area development programs that World Vision is doing. They've already been there for like 16 to 25 years. They have four different phases. They take them through the phasing of development and help. Um, so since that is tourist area, those have been the most reached and the most active. Okay. So what we're doing is I'm like, give me the roughest, toughest place. And so we picked this area right here, Kasanda, which is one of two areas in the entire nation of Tanzania. Kasanda is, uh, has great coffee right in here. Oh yeah, <laughs> right in there, great coffee. So as we've always talked about, I wanna create something in our city that the people can taste the, pl taste the place before we ever meet the people. And so coffee is a way to do that. There's farmers there that are living on cents a day. But if we can buy directly from them, which we are today, we're buying directly. Well, I guess we're going through a distributor that's buying directly and then we're, we get the whole story through them. But today, Tanzania has great coffee. And so today you got this coffee packet right here. We want everybody to taste the place of the people um, before we ever get to meet them, before we ever send any resources there. We've picked Cassandra. It's got great coffee right up in this region. So this coffee that you have in this bag right here comes from Mbeya. Mbeya. This is where it literally comes from. It's this region right here. Go look it up on Google Maps. But we want you guys to taste this place. And we are selling this. This is going to be, well, we're going to start selling this. 12 bags, I think, 12 bucks a bag. Um, you can get the whole beans that you can literally, every day when you're waking up, if you like the coffee, it can be a remembrance on you are a part of a church that is providing today a blessing to a people that are halfway around the world. You get to taste the place as we are eventually going to be moving towards meeting the people. We, we're, we're going to be having um, summer uh, mission trips. We'll be going over, meeting the people, connecting with the people. But we had to pick the place first. We wanted to, I wanted to get my boots on the ground to see it first. 
but that's not a reality, so we had to go this direction. So Cassandra will be there at some point in time. We're going to go and, and, and do everything. We're going to start with clean water. They're in the process right now, phase one, where they're looking at all the different things that they can do um, in order to help them specifically in that area. So this is vision. We're getting it going on that. You get to taste it, uh, and you can buy the coffee at the coffee truck. Today, you can start doing it today. But if you don't like it, all good in the hood. Buy Folgers. It's all good in the hood. <laughs> all good. Support a company that doesn't love God. Cool. Whatever you want to do. That's fine. You know, whatever. Um, so that's Cassandra. We're, we're jumping inside of there. Um, we have, um, are they back there? We got, we got uh, Preston and Tatum. They are leading out our coffee trucks. So if you don't know, our coffee truck operates over on 87, um, headed towards Lavernia. Heads on 87. Preston is the man that leads it up. I just want to show everybody real quickly. Y'all can't talk, okay? I'm doing all, I'm just playing. But these guys are leading up the coffee truck. Preston is at our coffee truck every single day. He is the man behind it. He is literally taking the green beans. He is roasting them inside of the truck. If it doesn't taste good, blame him. Okay, tell him why you don't like it, what needs to happen with it. He'll have to adjust the roast to get the right profiles out of it. I don't even know what I'm talking about right now, but he does. But um, he's the man behind it, and uh, these guys are leading it out, so we appreciate them, and God is good. So thank you guys for that. Oh, good in the hood. You see some faces behind it. So that's the coffee stuff. That's Tanzania. The second thing is we're focused on PSU. This is the discipleship program of the church. Last year, we talked about practicing the way tables is where it's going to happen. So we are a year out from tables. Tables literally got a shotgun through it this last year. And, and we were about to launch it in March and then COVID happens and we had to shut it all down. We had some online groups, but it was just tough as the world was working through. So what we said is uh, in our SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats and analysis that, uh, that churches go through, we'll say that, organizations go through. Uh, in our SWOT analysis, one of the areas that we wanted to focus on was discipleship, the front end of our church to the back end of our church. And so we've looked at this entire process and said, how do we take somebody from the inside or the outside looking into the inside leading out? How do we take people in our church from the outside looking into the church to the inside leading out in our church? Because we want to create leaders that's leading in every sphere of their life from godly principles, from godly lives in their homes, in their workplaces, in their personal lives, their discipline, mind, body, soul. How do we take somebody from the outside of the church to the inside leading out? And so PSU is that process, an entire full scale from VIP all the way to the back end. If we are spitting trained, certified ministers off of it, we have a big process, right? So we have this whole process that we're going through. And if it, you have not been to uh, Pearl Street Open House, you got to get to Pearl Street Open House. That's the front end of the pool of our church, right? The second thing is we're taking you through PS Fundamentals. PS Fundamentals, if we want your beliefs in alignment with the house before we try to get your behaviors in alignment with the culture. Because we, we deal with a lot of people in here that come from a lot of different churches that have their own beliefs, their own ideas about how church should operate, but it's completely out of alignment with the model that God has called us to. It may not be bad, it's just not this model. And so we deal with people who are trying to coach culture into them, but they don't believe what we believe about the way it should happen inside of the house. So we got PS fundamentals that are operating. So with this, we had to put our, our money where our mouth is to get somebody to oversee it. And so we have somebody specifically focused on PSU, the spiritual growth of our church. Pastor Greg is the man that is going to be overseeing the entire process of PSU. My man, 
Uh, so he is the spiritual growth pastor of our church from VIP to trained ministers. He's going to be the man that's overseeing the entire process. Obviously, it's a work in pro progress, but he's the man that is going to be overseeing that. And we are stoked yes. for this next year in Jesus' name. I know we're being... We're being like really quick right now because I'm way over time right now. So uh, number three, the third thing we're going to be looking at is PS Online. So what they believe today because of COVID, that fear has been created out the world, that people are unwilling to step back into a close-knit environment like a church. So I believe COVID-19 was released by the enemy on the world, one, to kill people, to destroy people's lives, to bring chaos to the world. I believe it was sent by the enemy and or maybe a few hands that had, you know, are, oper are working on behalf of the enemy in Wuhan, China, uh, or the globalists or the elite, however you want to call them. I believe that. Um, but it was chaotic. Um, it created a lot of chaos in the world. And with that, I think it's a, an attack even on the church because people are like, I don't know if I want to get together in a small place with a lot of people now. I'm afraid I might lose my life. Fear. <sighs> so with that, church experts and uh, researchers believe that the church is not going to look like it did pre-COVID. That there's going to be more people at home viewing online. And so with that, the church, we have to adapt. And online equipment is not cheap. I'm just going to throw it out there, okay? It costs money to make this stuff happen, to get it online to be good. And it takes people that are over, like, focused on it every single week. We want, to change, we want to take the online experience from something that you view, like you're on the outside looking into what's going on in service, to you are now, your, your living room is the service, right? We're not talking to the church and then you're hearing it online. We want to talk online to you sitting on your couch or whatever it is. Now, you guys are not going to be on your couch because you're here. That's right. Don't stay home. Come to church. But for anybody that doesn't feel comfortable, we want to build an experience that is specifically online. So we got an online church that we are developing, that we are looking at, that we are working at. Obviously, we have an online experience today, but we're looking at how do we get an online church that has its own groups, has its own focus, its own prayer requests, its own you know, initiatives, has things that are specifically directed at them, that we're building an online church community. Church was never meant to be online. Don't get me wrong. Church is always supposed to be a group of people. And I can tell you this today, we will always direct, and I got to say this, we will always direct people that are living away from San Antonio to get to a local church. Anybody that says, Joel Osteen is my church, he is not your pastor, he is not your church, okay? You need to get to a local community that knows your life, can hold you accountable to the life in Christ. That's what baptism is for. You're baptized in front of people so they can say, you said you were going to do this. You acting a fool right now. Get your life in alignment. Joel Osteen can't do that. Yeah. Mike Todd can't do that. Yeah. Stephen Furtick can't do that. Yeah. Pearl Street can in Jesus' name. That's the truth of God's word. Doesn't matter how you manipulate it. So people are connected. We'll be like, you got to get to a local church. I wish pastor would say that all these Mike Todds and Stephen Furtick, I wish they would say that. They need to say it because there's a lot of people in our culture that are excusing accountability by virtue of saying, I'm, I'm, I'm online. Pastors need to get up, get up to date with what the word says. Okay, so I'm not saying I know better than Stephen Furtick. That's not what I am saying. Stephen Furtick knows that. I just think he needs to say it online. Okay, um, so Derek and Brianna are going to be overseeing this for us. Derek and Brianna, pastor. There are leaders over this. Online leaders, they're going to be making it happen, overseeing it. Actually, Derek is over the entire, like, what are we calling it now? Online team. Online team. There you go. We had to change up terminology. I'm, I'm getting to the 
online team, everything. So he's the man, and Brianna's going to be, they're going to be working together to make this a reality. So let's go. Let's make it happen. 10-13. Oh, God. Okay, the last thing is this, uh, kingdom builders. Kingdom builders in, in our church, you look at 1 Corinthians, the Bible talks about if you have the gift to encourage, if you have, if you have the gift to give, right? Uh, if you have a gift of whatever, do it well as unto the Lord, essentially is what it's, it's saying. It, it's Paul's direction, man. There's gifts in the body of Christ, multiple gifts in the body of Christ. All of it is for the health of the body of Christ, right? The vital organs, some vital organs you never see, but it has the most importance and blah, blah, blah. He goes down the whole deal on there's many different gifts. Well, one of the biggest gifts in the church that is not focused on is the gift of giving. There's some people in here, you have the gift of giving, but you have no direction to give. All it is is say, hey, be obedient. I'll just tell you right now, you better be obedient to the Lord, right? That's tithing. You can't get away from tithing, right? That is a fundamental that's a fundamental belief and understanding that 10% of my resources is given back into the storehouse. But there's people that have the gift of making money that the Bible says, if you have the gift to give, give generously. And so we want to take and, and have a group of people in our church that are saying, I'm willing to go over and above in my tithes and offering to accomplish local things, church things, international things, and we want to give that focus to them. And this is not for everybody. Don't get it twisted. It's not for everybody, right? As we always say when we talk about money, if you got an issue with money, then you're going to get funny when we talk about money, okay? There's some people that have no issue with money because they know God owns a cattle on a thousand hill and God owns it all anyways. So what I'm talking about is to individuals that have the gift of giving to go over and above to say, I want to accomplish the mission of Jesus Christ here in this church, in this city, and internationally. Give me a direction to be generous with my funds. If not, we're going to give towards Habitat for Humanity. You know, we'll give towards all these other initiatives that are good. They're just not God. Cool? So we're going to be launching that in the next couple weeks. Cool? So if you are a tither in the house, if you are a tither in the house, you will get an email and we'll give you next steps on what this looks like for kingdom builders inside of our church. So we have James and Pam, they're going to be leading this. James and Pam are going to be leading this out inside of our church, giving some direction on that, uh, making it happen. Uh, today, we just, um, there, there's some things that we're going to need to make happen over the next two months and it, it requires some moolah, requires some money and uh so I'm just going to say, get ready for, for the next steps that we're going to be taking. That if you are in here, get ready to say, hey, I want to commit X amount of dollars to make this reality come alive. The, the vision, the future of Pearl Street Church. Maybe you've just been here for a month. Maybe you've been here for a year. Let me just tell you, we're a church that's almost seven years old. And there's people that have been obedient and faithful that have given generously when you were not even in a reality of Pearl Street Church. For some of us, this may be your moment in time to say, I now want to take my resources, go over and above to give for the sake of the future individuals that could walk through these doors. I'll just tell you, get ready for an outpouring of Jesus Christ in this church like never before. What is already being set up is, this is not going to be the work this year and what God's doing through this year and the outpouring of his spirit is not the work of man. This is not how great we are to conjure up emotions that then we feel like God moves. This is a supernatural move of heaven on behalf of God's people that he is showing up and revealing himself to them that is undeniable. 
get ready for an outpouring of his spirit that is undeniable. If you look in Romans 11, Paul would be speaking and he would say, man, I cried out that God, is there a group of people that are you know, uncompromised, essentially what he's saying. And he would speak of Elijah doing the same thing, complaining that there's compromised people. But God came back and said, no, 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 no. There's 7,000 other people that did not bow down to Baal. I don't want us to think ourselves arrogant, that we're better than anybody else, because there could be 7 million other people inside of our, our country right now that are saying we're uncompromised. But what I do want to say inside of here is we have to be uncompromised. How are you uncompromised? The Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. That out of your life, flow, out of your heart flows the issues of your life. And I know if Jesus has our heart, then he will have our lives. If, we, if Jesus has our heart, then we'll be uncompromised. Why? Because nothing else satisfies. There is not a job. There's not a, a, a monetary value. There's no thing in this world that can satisfy what we know we desperately need. How do you remain uncompromised? If God has our heart. How do we become, how do we stay the salt of the earth that keeps the saltiness? If Jesus has our heart. So let's stand up to our feet. And I just want to take a moment here to sing. We're going to sing this song together. And as we speak on like, that we're a remnant of people, uncompromised culture. Jesus has to have our heart. And it starts right here that he has it. And let this be a prophetic declaration today that he can have our heart. He can have our heart. Come on, let's sing it together.